0: Then the last one is Toss, and research shows that 80% of what we keep, we never use, and the more we keep, the less we
1: use. Welcome to the Add Valued Entrepreneurs Podcast, the place where we help entrepreneurs to not hate their boss. Our mission is to end entrepreneurial unhappiness. If you dream of changing the world, but you're not sure where to start, the Add Valued Entrepreneurs Podcast will help you transform your life and business. This podcast is for entrepreneurs who want more freedom and fulfillment from their work so they can live the life that they desire. You deserve it, and it is possible. My name is Robert Peterson, former passer, turned CEO, and the smiling coach. I believe that success without happiness is failing, but there is hope. Join us each week as we bring you an inspiring leader or message to help you. Thanks for investing time with us today. Today's guest is the Vision Accelerator and founder of Productive Environment Institute. She is passionate
2: about helping entrepreneurs accelerate their vision so they can leave a legacy that matters.
1: Barbara Hemphill's life goal is to live every day joyfully while giving hope to others. Her license plate reads, Hope Fool.
2: When people ask why, she replies, I'm a fool for Jesus. And hope stands for Help Others Pursue Entrepreneurship, which has been her passion for over 40 years.
1: Robert Noel discussed the power of decisions with Barbara Hemphill. Barbara shares her view that clutter in your rooms, on your computer, or even in your mind are all a result of postponed decisions.
2: She shares some practical tips for taming the paper tiger in your life. She shares a message of hope for those who feel lost and for those who feel stuck in a world of indecision.
1: If you're an entrepreneur who started their business with a purpose and a passion that has been lost in the busyness of the daily grind... We get it. That is why we've opened up our free strategy calls. A lot of entrepreneurs, probably including you, just want a sense of clarity on the barriers holding them back that you need to overcome in order to accelerate your growth and achieve your dreams. These short 30 minute calls give you a chance to work with one of our coaches without any commitment or pressure. Scheduling is easy. Just go to smilingcall.com. Let's jump on a call and get you the help and clarity you need. Select a time and let's build your business. It's time for you to add value. Well, Barbara, thank you so much for joining us today. We're excited to have this conversation and so grateful for our friend introducing us and and you know making this possible today.
0: Me too. I'm happy for the opportunity. I enjoyed reading about your story and uh, so happy to to share mine.
1: Well, perfect. So typically, we let each guest just share their entrepreneurial journey and what's led them to what they're working on now and the impact they're trying to make.
0: Well, um, it's a long story. I've been an entrepreneur for 44
1: years. Well, congratulations. That's exciting.
0: It is. And what's particularly exciting is that I love it more now than I did when I started. So it started because my first husband and I lived in India. We worked with an organization called Church World Service, and when we, while we were there, we adopted three orphan children. Uh, they were ages two, three, and four. One of them had special needs, and uh, my husband got uh, stationed back in New York City, and he was working for a nonprofit, so didn't make enough money to. Pay for living expenses in New York. So I needed to figure out a way that I could contribute. And, but I wanted my children to be first. And so it's like, okay, how do I do that? And I decided that one way would be to find a problem in the world that I could solve that people would pay me for. So I sat on the playground and I would just listen to people talking and complaining. And I grew up on a farm in Nebraska. So I, went around with my father and grandfather. So that's pretty handy. I could do, you know, electrical repairs and plumbing and stuff like that. So I was going to do a, be a handy woman, handyman, but wow. in New York, you have to be a, you have to be a member of the union. So I was like, okay, well, I can't do that. And then I would hear people talk about being disorganized. I would hear people say we haven't eaten off the table in a month because it's piled full of papers or we had to file an extension on our income taxes because I couldn't find the receipts or I'm fighting with my children about their cluttered room or women saying I'm fighting with my husband because he dumps his clutter on the kitchen counter and I can't cook dinner. And I realized they didn't have my mother. (laughs) Um, I'm not a naturally organized person myself. I was trained as a musician. I've been diagnosed with ADHD. I love to start things. I don't like to finish things. I love the big picture, but I don't like details. But I grew up in the second floor of a tenant farmhouse. And my mother was an administrative assistant to a bank president for 46 years. Wow. And my father was a dairy farmer. And so they, we grew up with systems. This was the way you did things. And I thought everybody had systems like that. Well, I found out that a lot of people don't probably more people don't have systems than do have systems. So I ran, I took $7 out of the grocery money, which is a big deal. Cause I used to walk 20 blocks because I didn't have 50 cents for the bus. And it said disorganized. I organized closets, files, kitchens, you name it. Call Barbara Hemphill.
1: Nice.
0: And I got a, uh, three crank calls from guys trying to pick me up. <laughs> and, uh, and the fourth call was from a widow, 55 years old. Her husband was an attorney. He had died very suddenly. Mm. She didn't know anything about managing anything. And he had left piles of paper everywhere. And so I went in and started sorting through the piles. I first looked at it, I thought, oh, what have I done and I charged $10 an hour and lived in horror that somebody was going to ask me what made me think I was worth $10 an hour. <laughs> and she knew, I didn't tell her she was my first client. She you never knew that. But then it went well. And then to promote it, I would go and speak at church groups and PTAs and garden clubs and any place that I could find a platform. I quickly learned that the number one organizing challenge was paper that we could do the closets and the cupboards and the kitchens and the garages but all of those spaces had boxes of papers and the questions that people would ask me was how long do you keep and in those days it was bank statements because we used to get those canceled checks that you wrapped up in your bank statement and everybody kept them for decades Nobody knew what to do with them, but they just—they didn't balance checkbooks with them, which is what they were intended for. <laughs> uh, but they kept them, and they would ask me how long do you keep those, and how long do you keep expired insurance policies, and how long medical records, and real estate sales, and I didn't have a clue. So I thought, well, there must be a book in the library, and I went to the library, and much to my amazement, discovered there really wasn't a user-friendly book that answered those questions. And so in 1988. I wrote a book called Taming the Paper Tiger, which basically dealt with every single piece of paper that came into the household. I mean, recipes, cartoons, junk mail, photographs, memorabilia, tax records, uh, financial records, everything. And it ultimately became a, a bestseller. And I became known as the Paper Tiger Lady and built that kind of as a brand I then realized we're jumping ahead because I realized people began doing digital information. So I didn't want to be known just as the paper tiger lady because I didn't want people to think that that was all I knew about. Because, and let me just say that the whole business, all these 44 years, has been based on four words clutter is postponed decisions. Mm. And I learned that from clothes closets. Clothes closets fill up because you haven't decided whether you're going to lose the 10 pounds to get into your favorite pair of pants or whether you're going to use the exercise equipment that looks so good on Home Shopping Network or the candlesticks that you got from Aunt Sally and you love Aunt Sally, but the candlesticks are not really your style. But if she came for Thanksgiving dinner, she'd be so happy if they were on the table. And then the same thing's true of paper. There's a pile of papers and you say, okay, today's the day I'm going to clean this up. And you pick up the first piece of paper and think of any number of reasons why you can't do this today. And then the second and the third, and before you know it, the pile that was on this side is on this side and it's time to go to a meeting. And then comes email. It's like, so people sit in front of email and they do open, close, open, close, open, close for 45 minutes. And at the end, nothing has changed except that they feel discouraged about what they've done. And it's because they haven't made decisions. So basically, that's what I'm about is uh, teaching people to make decisions. And then I ultimately in 1998, this realized I was doing lots of speaking, I was traveling all over the world giving speeches, but realizing that in some ways, I was actually adding to the problem, because I was raising people's awareness, but I didn't really have a solution. I was only one person, you know, and, and and for most people who are disorganized reading a book is not the answer that's just putting another pile something else on top of the pile so that wasn't really the book gave me credibility which is i now have partnered with a publishing company and our tagline is a brand needs a book and a book needs a brand because there's nothing and i have a, i'm looking at a whole shelf full of books that i that i published and i would not still be in business after 40 years if i if i hadn't published those books so i'm passionate about helping entrepreneurs put a book, their story, you know, into a book, but, uh, I started training people to become certified at what I was doing. And so fast forward, there's now a company called Productive Environment Institute. We define productive environment as an intentional setting in which everyone can accomplish their work and enjoy their lives. And we have a program that's virtual. We do virtual organizing, which when COVID came along was a huge blessing because there were so many people that needed to organize their home offices and we could do it virtually. And so with Total Office Transformation uh, in 90 days, you can go from uh, to a four-day work week because we can actually increase your productivity enough that you can work one day less. And we've proven that you know, over and over again. So that's kind of the... The short story, uh, that that company now is run by one of the people I've trained. I've trained hundreds of people, and one of the people I trained was Andrea Anderson, and she now runs Productive Environment Institute because one of my goals as an entrepreneur was I wanted my business to exist when I was gone, that if I dropped dead, I wanted it to still exist, and it will. If I dropped dead tonight, uh, it would continue tomorrow because Andrea has done that all But I wasn't ready to quit working yet. Everyone, I'll be 76 next month. And everybody says, when are you going to retire? And I said, I have no interest. My mother was 82 and still working full time because she wanted to. And I think I have her genes and I have no interest in retiring at all. But what I do now is something that I call vision accelerator. Uh, God has given me an ability to see things that people can do that they can't see for themselves. And it's often based on a question, what did you like to do when you were 10, 11, and 12 years old? Because whatever the answer to that question is, is a key, it's a clue to what God created you to do every single time. And we always work with that with our our consultants. They all help people organize offices, but they pick different kinds of people so like one of ours does does people with uh, adhd and somebody else works with uh if physical fitness companies and they have different things and so we always help them find their target market based on what they were doing when they were young my husband is brilliant at managing money he always has been uh he's a retired army colonel and he worked for state government for a while But his mother told me when he was 12 years old, he wanted the Wall Street Journal for his birthday. Well, there's a good example. You know, I mean, this man is brilliant. When other people are losing money, he always figures out how to make it because that's a God-given talent. So in Vision Accelerator, I'm helping them explore what is their God-given talent that can take them to the next level. And also I've helped people get rid of millions of pounds of clutter in 44 years. And what I have seen is women especially spend hours, days, weeks, years agonizing over who to leave their china, their crystal, their furniture, even their 401k, or even their property to. But as a Christian, I believe that this world is not my home. And so all that, all that individuals, all that physical stuff is really worthless. And, and that was um, proven lately. We saw that when hurricane Ian came and I was looking at uh, people standing on top of their cars with everything around them and thinking when they were on top of their car, they probably didn't even have their phone or their wallet, which meant if they didn't have Jesus, they didn't have anything. But if they had Jesus, they had everything. So One of the things that I did when I was little, which I did not know, I had to ask my mother that. I asked my mother, I knew that as a child, she worked for a jewelry store and she used to bring home the bent boxes from the jewelry store that they couldn't use. And I had a, my only private space was a small closet and my father built me a chest of drawers in there. And I used to arrange those boxes trying to maximize that space. But when I asked my mother, what was I doing when... I was little. She said, oh, don't you remember? You used to gather the family in grandma's parlor and you preached to us. Well, yes. I thought about it as, okay, now I'm preaching, organizing, and that's certainly what it's been for decades. But as I get older and I see the state of the world, uh, I like to combine helping people eliminate their clutter, uh, which is clutter comes in four four types. There's physical digital, emotional, and then most of all, there's spiritual clutter. And it's the spiritual clutter that prevents us from, that creates all the other kinds. So I'm actually preaching Jesus and organizing now. And my license plate says Hope Fool. And when people ask me why, I say, because I'm a fool for Jesus. And H-O-P-E stands for Help Others Pursue Entrepreneurship, which I've been doing for 40 plus years and love doing it.
2: A talking point.
1: That's nice. I love it. <laughs> it is. Well, it gets, starts a conversation going yeah. for sure. Well, what a terrific story. Having having lived overseas, I want to go all the way back to the very beginning when you talked about living in India, and uh, you know, obviously Noel and I both lived in South America for for a period of time, and and understand the value um, that that gave our family. And we're as we're recording this, we're coming up on on Thanksgiving, and. And I just think about the things that Noelle learned about cooking and about just Being there was adult. there was no one else there to to help her cook raw vegetables and raw you know foods from the raw sources, um, and I think it changed it it changed her as a mom and a and a woman and 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 just elevated our our family. Plus, we didn't have to choose whose house we were going to and how many houses <laughs> we were dividing up and splitting up to go You know, try to figure out how to get to three, four houses and Thanksgiving dinners in all these places. So there was a huge benefit there. But tell us tell us a, a lesson that you learned about living overseas that's that served you and helped you.
0: Well, there are just so many. But um, one of them that I think about that's really important is that in the house that we lived in, uh, which was provided for us by the organization we work for. If we sat at the dining room table and looked out the window, we could see peacocks doing their mating dance. And we had a gardener, actually, was provided for us, and he grew flowers that were just amazing, including dahlias the size of dinner plates,
1: <laughs>
0: which were fine until the goats found them, which periodically they did. But if you walked through the house and went to the back, there was a large field and that field served as a latrine for the villagers behind there. And in the field was a very tall old fort, and on top of that fort would be vultures. And the vultures would sit there waiting for the animals to die in the field and dive down to get them. So when people would ask me what was life like in India, I would say, well, do you want me to tell you the peacock story or the vulture story? And I think that's true. That just isn't true in India. That is true anywhere you live. There's always peacocks and vultures. And, you know, we're coming on Thanksgiving, which you mentioned. And I think gratitude uh, is just non-negotiable. If you want to be happy, then being grateful is just really, really important. And I've learned I'm now working on a project in India called the Shepherd's House Ministry that came because I have on my LinkedIn profile the last sentence said, As a follower of Jesus, I pray that other people will feel his love whether I ever mention his name. As a result of that, I get a lot of spam things, you know, and one guy in Pakistan sent me pictures of bloody bodies and, you know, that. But one man named Cannery reached out to me and he said, I feel called to be a pastor, but I don't have any training. And so I began to communicate, well, what kind of, what do you have in mind? What kind of training would you like and whatever else? Well, what he didn't tell me for almost two months was that his wife and his three children, they were literally starving. They were living on the border of Burma. They were digging up roots and eating them and eating leaves and berries and drinking water to keep from feeling hungry. And this was right during COVID, and it was difficult to get things to them. To this day, I can't ship; it's a hundred dollars a pound to ship there, and it gets stolen before it gets to them. So you can't really ship them anything. Um, but I started communicating with him, and that was—it'll uh, be two it'll be three years in March of next year. And um, they were living in a house that was uh, loaned to them by someone and then that was going to get taken away and they didn't have any place to live. And long story short, we are in the process of building a building, which we are calling the Shepherd's House. And it will be the home for Shepherd's House Ministry, which will be a home church, but it will also be an entrepreneurial center. We have managed uh, through the grace of God to purchase an acre of land. Uh, which will be enough that they can grow lemon trees and have a piggery and get some chickens and and things like that. So, we're in the process now of we've managed to build the first floor and we're raising money now to build the second and third floors. And my goal is that by the end of twenty twenty three, it'll be self sufficient.
1: Nice. Yeah, one of our projects pre COVID was to to take teams to countries like India, Colombia, East Africa. Not not countries, but there are multiple countries in East Africa that, and and do um, entrepreneurial development for like literally the hot dog vendor, the micro enterprises, the, right. the people that could never afford to go to, you know, a Tony Robbins conference if it came <laughs> to South America, um, and so you know we want to take teams and just do. Uh, basically small encouragement weekends, right? It's, it's, it's really a, a business conference, but it's more about encouragement and lifting up and empowering people to believe in their God-given vision and, and their God-given ability to make an impact regardless of what the dollars and situation around them looks like.
0: Yep, that's absolutely true. I mean, you know, without a vision the people perish and people need to have vision. And I think a lot of people have gotten discouraged. They, they, I've uh, been told that they couldn't do things. And Cannery says all the time, you know, this is just the fact that I keep encouraging him means all the world to him, even when I'm not able to give him the kinds of things that I would, you know, like him to be able to do.
1: So I think it's extremely important. It's oh, so valuable. All right. So now we're going to get to the selfish part of the conversation. I'm, I've am i been attacked by the paper tiger and uh... and digital. <laughs> Well, we don't even go into the digital, Tiger, because at least I can keep that. I can close the lid.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, so, no, I'd say that digital digital clutter is just a bigger, faster, hidden mess, but it's the same thing.
1: Well, and you just postpone it by putting it on a bigger hard drive and then the next bigger hard drive and the next bigger hard drive. Yeah. So for someone who takes notes on, on paper and, and piles his papers um, in multiple locations, how do you help make these decisions? What are the decisions that really need to be made? Because you're saying these are this clutter is postponed decisions. Um, so, so this is going to be a selfish podcast. The rest of you don't need to listen. This is just Robert trying to figure out how does he deal with this. Well, I guarantee, him I
0: guarantee you, you're not the only person because, in spite of all the promises of the paperless world, uh, my experience is that there's a large percentage of the population that still has paper. For years, my license plate said less paper. So I'm a big advocate of less paper. I think paperless is completely unreasonable, especially for anyone over 40. I mean, it's just, I don't wanna be paperless. I have no interest in being paperless, but I really believe in having a system. So to answer your question, first of all, there's only three decisions you can make about any piece of paper file act or toss file means i don't know if i'll ever need it again but i don't have the guts to throw it away
2: <laughs> no so
0: kidding. that's going to go in a reference file only we don't use filing systems we use finding systems and we have a whole we have a whole training program on how to create a finding system the second action is the second option is act i need to do this i need to pay this bill i need to write this report i need to have this phone call so the question is and often the reason we postpone it is it looks there's several things that need to be done and then we feel overwhelmed so we don't do anything we just shove it over to the side. so the question you want to ask then is what is the next action by when and so every time, you know, people have heard this handle a piece of paper only once, which is ridiculous. I mean, it's ridiculous. But a ver- a version of that is every time you handle a piece of paper, you say, OK, is this a file act or a toss? If it's a file, you put it in your two file pile and then you address that. You have to have a system for system. We use the acronym. Saving you space, time, energy, and money. Nice. Every time there is something that you do repeatedly. Noel, I read about how you help do administrative things. You know that. That's what good administration is about having systems in place. So we teach people how to have systems, not only to make, you have to make the decision, but it isn't enough just to make the decision. You have to have a way to implement the decision. So for example, let's say you pick up the piece of paper and you look at it. A good example is, okay, this is an email I printed out from you when we first talked a long time ago. I use something called the SWIFT file. This is today's date. So this piece of paper for this folder is right here. So when today's day came, it's like, I'm going to talk to Robert and here's what I need. Now, I have it electronically as well so that I can pull it up, but I prefer to be reminded with paper. It's not the only way, but that happens to be my choice in most cases. Then the last one is toss, and research shows that 80% of what we keep, we never use. And the more we keep, the less we use, either because <laughs> we don't remember we have it or we can't find it.
1: Oh, that's so good. (laughs) We will be right back after this short break. This episode is sponsored by Perfect Publishing, a different approach to publishing a book. Perfect Publishing carefully chooses heroes of hope who exemplify living a life they created through faith, hope, patience, and persistence. No matter what page you open to in this mini cube of hope, you will find a leader with a big heart. You will see you are not alone. The authors may share similar challenges that only hope and action could resolve. Get your free ebook at getadoseofhope.com. Welcome back. Let's get back to more greatness. I mean, it's so true, but I Noelle's over here shaking her head because her 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 filing system for me, I'm pretty sure is just tossed. You should just toss it all. To start all over. Well,
2: I toss at least 80%, probably. <laughs>
0: And God has a sense of humor. I think most often couples are very different. That's certainly true in my case. And the interesting thing is, the more the organized one tries to help the disorganized one, the worse it gets. So I cannot tell you how many books I have not sold because somebody will come up and say, I'm buying this for my husband or I'm buying this for my wife. And I will will not
1: sell it to. them. Uh, good for you. That's 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 character. I mean, that's character, right? That's understanding who your target audience is and and recognizing, look, if I sell it to you, it's just a waste of But <laughs> what I wanted,
0: what I want to point out is in this book, Less Plutter, More Life, which is my favorite book because it's so beautiful and you can read it in it's got these gorgeous photographs in it. You can read it in just uh, less than an hour. But page 14 says, what stops us from getting organized? And I want to read this because I think you'll relate to it. I never have enough time. I have too much to do. I have better things to do. Organizing is boring. It's too difficult. It never lasts. I often overthink the situation. I didn't create it. I have no idea what's there. I'm easily distracted and go off on tangents. I get stuck in the memories of the past. It's too emotionally draining. Oh, and now here's a big one. I want to be responsible and respectful of the things I've been given.
2: Mm.
0: I have to take care of other people and other things in my life first. It's hard to admit I have an issue. And I'm afraid to let something go. I might want it back. So our passion, and we have a free webinar. So one of the things that anybody on this can listen to, you go to tameyourpapertiger.com. It is a two hour webinar. And what's interesting is 90% of the people who stay on stay the entire two hours, which tell and come back sometimes for repeat so you can tell it's and it's a hands-on workshop where you actually come with a pile of papers so we're going to teach you how to make decisions and how to implement those decisions in that particular call so it's a free resource anybody can do it and come back as many times as you want and that will that gets you started and then part of what that does is at the end you can there's a scorecard we fill out we've done thousands of scorecards when you fill out that scorecard, we can quickly look and figure out what kind of help you need. We can figure out what the issue is because it isn't a one size fits all. Everybody has different issues. So the scorecard tells us what issues you are dealing with and then we can customize. We have something called the total office blueprint, which is actually a picture of our system for organizing your office. You, We give you that as part of doing this, the seminar. And then we offer a consultation afterwards to customize that for you. And we do that for no charge. We're not trying to sell you anything. We're just trying to get you to enact, to to do what you heard. And then if you want help, then we'll say, do you want help? And then we have coaches that will help you either virtually or or in person.
1: Yeah, I think one of the biggest challenges, and it was a challenge um, that we created for our kids because when we lived overseas, we had a maid. And the maid took care of a lot of the kids' cleaning and room, you know, putting stuff away. And
2: they liked helping her.
1: They, yeah, they liked helping her. But 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 the truth is they never learned the organizing part of, you know, this object has to have a home and, and knowing that that object has a home. And so when an object didn't have a home, the kids would just put it anywhere because anywhere was home. <laughs> and so it, we, we did them a disservice in, in not equipping them to 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 have a system really is what it boils down to is that there was no system it's and there was no training. Common.
0: It's very common. It's happened a lot. It happens a lot now where uh, families have both parents working and there really isn't time to deal with all that. And so um I mean we've said a lot of our clients are clients who didn't have the parents we had. I mean that's just the that that's the reality of it. But one of the things that I think is so exciting and that I've seen over and over is it's never too late to learn if people want to. And the most important thing is that, you know, like you've heard this saying, a place for everything and everything that's placed. place. And somebody said, well, I can never do that. Well, that's not, I mean, that's like handle a piece of paper only once. That doesn't make any sense either. A place for everything is essential. Everything is not always going to be in its place because life is messy. But the trick is figuring out what level of clutter you are willing to live with and how long it's going to take you to clean it up. So I'll give an example. I mentioned I'm not naturally organized. If you come into my office or my home on a Thursday, you might look around and say, and they pay you money for organizing (laughs) because it's going to be messy. I like to start things. I don't like to finish things. I mean, I did a video the other day. I was making something called the fruit pizza, which is one of my family's favorites. And I did a video of the kitchen after I was done. I mean, it looked like a bomb went off it. <laughs> because I'm not somebody who takes down, uses it, wipes it off, put it on. I pull it all down and this isn't the right size. And I want this one and this one. And it's just like everything looked terrible. I'm the same way with my desk. But when Friday comes... Everything has a place and it needs to take less than 30 minutes for me to get it in that place. If it takes me longer than 30 minutes, then that means there's something wrong with the system. That means I need to go back and change something. There's something. So I told that story to one of my clients a number of years ago and he said, you know, he said, I hate picking up clutter. He said, I hate clutter and I hate picking it up. But he said, if I would do it first thing in the morning, he had a home office. He said, if I would do it first thing in the morning, it would be like Brian Tracy's book, Eat That Frog. He said, it would take me five minutes. And so he said, if I would clean up the clutter in the first five minutes, then I'd have it done. So here's the difference. So this is what I call the art of organizing. People will say, what should I do? And always say, that is the wrong question. The question is, what will you do? And organizing in and of itself has no value. In fact, you may know someone, I know people, that spend all of their time organizing, but they never have anything to show for it. They're just just organizing. They're never producing. So this is about what my question is not what should you do, but what will you do? Because if you're why, if you look at Simon Sinek's The Power of Why, the why organizing in and of itself has no value it is simply a skill and a system to help you accomplish what you want to accomplish so one of the questions i love to ask people is if you died tonight what regrets would you have Mm. The answer to that question is extremely important because it is impacting your mindset. And it is your mindset that is preventing you from getting organized or doing whatever it is. It's like this kind of anchor that hangs around your head. So we have a five-step process that we use. That's the five-step process that's in this book. And the five-step process is state your vision identify your obstacles, commit your resources, design and execute your plan and sustain your success. The common word is your. And so we take that one thing. So let's say that, you know, what's the one thing if you if you died tonight, you would regret. It's like, okay, let's address that. So if you accomplish that, what would it feel like? What would it look like? How would you know that you've done it? And then number two, what are the obstacles? What have you tried that didn't work? Or what are you afraid of? Or who's preventing you? And then resources, who can help you? What do you know? Where can you go? How much time and money are you willing to spend on it? And then that takes us to step four was in order to reach this vision, overcoming these obstacles with these resources. Here's a plan. Let's develop. It's what we call a game plan. Let's put together the game plan. And then step five is the one that's the most important, which is sustain your success. And if you're not sustaining your success, then we need to go back because every single thing that you say, think, or feel about whatever that vision is fits somewhere in there and then we can adjust it. So at the end of working together in what I call Vision Accelerator, people understand that five-step process and they can use it anywhere in their life, either personally or professionally. One of my clients said, we took that and sat down with our family and we planned our family vacation. So we sat down and said, okay, what's our vision for a family vacation? And then we talked about it and what are our resources? You know, how much time do we have and how much money do we have and where do we want to go? So it's a tool. I like to leave people with new capabilities and that's a new capability that they can learn.
1: Nice. <clears throat> so you mentioned a little bit about design and, and obviously this is very, very intentional, but you also mentioned that part of your goal is, is helping entrepreneurs, get started and and a piece a piece for me is always asking what is what does it look like to design a business around a life that you want
0: well you I, I think first of all you want to ask the question why do I want to be an entrepreneur
1: mm.
0: because you're why I mean entrepreneurship is n- not easy if it were it wouldn't be 80 percent of the o- businesses fail I mean it's just at it's just that true. Right. Yeah. So that means our it's just like organizing isn't easy. If organizing were were easy, we wouldn't have all these organizers. Unfortunately, a lot of the organizers put band-aids where there needs to be surgery and they don't really fix the problem.
1: <laughs> so good.
0: But um, so first of all, let's explore why you're doing it, uh, why you want to be an entrepreneur. And then what do you do? And one way is what is it? That you know from your experience that you can help other people do because of what you know, what your experiences have been. And, and the most important thing is narrowing down the market. Because like, for example, in organizing, the biggest challenge when I was training, I certified, we certified people. They're called certified productive environment specialists. And we have them all over the country, all over the world, actually. We just had a retreat and somebody came from Australia. Nice. Issue is, it's like, well, this applies to everybody personally and professionally. Yes, it does. But you cannot market to everybody personally and professionally. We need to figure out who is your, in the vernacular we use now as avatar, who is your your flock? I love that term that's used. Or who is your target market? Who is the people? So one of the things you want to think about are who are the people you love hanging out with? Who do you really know the most about? It doesn't mean that you can't sell to other people, and it doesn't mean that other people won't ask you, but the language you're going to use to market, for example, my target market is women over 45 because they are women who they're highly successful, they've been successful raising a family, maybe taking care of parents, maybe they've been they've actually had a career maybe in government and they've retired or they've ha- they've just gone through a divorce or maybe they have an empty nest. They're in some transition where it's like okay, my life isn't done yet, but I'm not sure what I want to do next. And so then we're looking at okay, what skills do you have and who do you like to hang out with? So I'll give you an example. Yesterday I did vision accelerator with a woman who's a coach. And I was saying, do you, she said some of my clients are entrepreneurs and some of my clients are employees of companies, high achieving women. Again, her clients tended to be over 40 as well. Um, And I said, well, which ones do you like best? Well, you know, I really like them both. But then we went back to her why. Part of her why was she's a caregiver for her father who has dementia. So she's limited in the amount of hours she has to work. So one of the things which she said when she was talking about her clients was that her clients who are employees are far easier to deal with than the clients who are entrepreneurs because employees don't have time to reach out to her 20 times a week to ask for help.
1: <laughs> nice.
0: And she likes working with them both. So it's like, okay, for right now, this doesn't mean forever, but for the for foreseeable future, as long as you are taking care of your father, it would make a whole lot more sense for you to use the language to reach out to employees because it takes less effort. You don't have to be as responsive. You could have physical times appointments. And executive women, they're busy. They have meetings all the time and they're traveling and all kinds of stuff. So they don't have time to always be talking to you. Whereas a startup entrepreneur, they have a million questions and they'll interrupt you 50 times. So at this point in time, that didn't make sense. So helping people uh, start and grow uh, entrepreneurship is really about Who do you like to hang out with or another example was i had a client who got um, she was in records management in a large pharmaceutical company and she got laid off and she got a big severance pay and she bought a shredding truck a pink shredding
1: truck (laughs) nice
0: i thought this is great i was so excited because she was going to help them shred the paper but also help them go digital So we were working on her business. Well, she would never sustain her success because she never stayed long enough with something. She was always jumping over to something else. Oh, well, I just signed up for for a prepaid legal because that's going to bring in some more. And then I I signed over to do that and just just constantly jumped around. At one point she said, okay, I'm going to market to solo uh, lawyers. And I looked at her and I said, do you like hanging out with lawyers? And I'll never forget the look on her face. And I said, you don't want to be marketing to people you don't want to hang out with.
1: So true. So very true.
0: I do have to ask, going
2: back to the um, file act and toss, is that the same
0: questions you would ask for digital clutter? It is. It absolutely. I mean, email. It's the same with email. You know, when I open an email, is this a file? Is this an act or a toss? And then the important thing is there has to be a there has to be a system to implement those decisions. Yeah, I assumed I just wanted to make sure there was something I wasn't missing. No, it's exactly the same. Now, one of the things we teach a lot of is the art of basketry, which is when you sign up for the Tame Your Paper Tiger you get the blueprint and the blueprint has the art of waste faster It's a series of questions you can ask yourself whether or not to keep something. And the last question is the most important one, which is what's, and this applies to digital in the same way. What's the worst thing that would happen if I threw this away or I deleted it. And you play that out. And then you say, is that a price I'm willing to pay? And it's not a moral issue. I mean, and two people can answer the same thing. So, Two employees in a company might say, because we do this in companies, we do what we call productivity parties where we clean out the clutter in the company. We did it for a church just recently called Clear the Clutter for Christ. And we went into the church and we cleared out the clutter in the church with volunteers and people doing it. Two people, you can say, what's the worst thing that would happen is, they both might say, well, the worst thing would be the boss would be mad. And one would say, will get over it, throw it away. And the other one would say, I don't want it to be mad. That's not a right or wrong. That's the art. So we use what we call the cost factor, which is you can keep everything you want if you're willing to pay the price. The price is time, space, money, and energy. <sighs> so our job is not to tell you, oh, you don't need to keep that. We don't have a right to do that. Nobody can do that except that person. But our job is to say, if you choose to keep it, this is what it's gonna cost in time, space, money, and energy. But I I wanna tell one other story that I think is really significant about the emotional side of this. I was autographing books in New York City at Barnes and Noble, and I made the comment that every time I found somebody who had trouble letting go of especially paper, but everything, but especially paper, if I ask enough questions, I would find that that person had experienced a severe emotional loss in their life. Hmm. Because the problem with papers is papers represent, it isn't the paper, it's what the paper represents. Our hopes, our dreams, our failures, our fears, our all of those sorts of things. Well, I made that comment and when I was done, this young man in his probably early 20s walked up and he was his eyes were teary and he said, my apartment is so full of papers i haven't had anybody in it for months including my family and he said i come home from work at night and i say okay tonight's the night i'm going to clean up this mess and he said i pick up the papers and i start to figure out what to do and i become physically paralyzed i can't move and he said there are nights when literally says, I sort of my bed because that's a studio apartment in New York. And that was the only flat space. He said, sometimes I just push the papers over and I would end up lying in bed next to this pile of papers. And then he looked at me and he said, my mother died when I was six. He said, are you telling me that I have to deal with the grief of losing my mother before I can manage my paper? And what I said to him was, I can't answer that because I'm not a mental health professional, but I can tell you what I've seen over and over from experience. If you will find someone you trust, probably not a family member who can help you decide if you need or want to keep them, it will solve your paper problem and it'll probably help you deal with your your mother as well. Well, I told that story. I was speaking to several hundred women at a university and a woman walked up to me and she said, well, you just saved my marriage. I said, wow, that's pretty dramatic. W- what do you mean? Can you tell me what you mean? And she said, well, I came to this conference with the intention of going home and telling my husband to whom I'm married for 13 years that I was leaving because he's a pack rat and I have allergies and he won't get rid of anything and I can't get rid of the dust and it makes me sick. And she said, but I never understood before until I heard you that it wasn't that he wouldn't get rid of it, but that he couldn't. His mother died when he was seven. (sighs) So I said, may I make a suggestion? She said, yes. And I said, why don't you go home and say something to the effect of I never understood before how important all of this is to you. Let's figure out how we can keep it and still live together. So she did. And I've stayed in touch with her for probably six or eight months afterwards. And the change was dramatic. Hmm. It's still is a long road ahead because it'd taken 13 years to get there. So it took a while. But there was a dramatic change because he felt heard for the first time. And she wasn't saying you don't need that. When someone says you don't need that, you are actually making the problem
1: worse. Well, you touched a touched a soft spot there, because my mom's mother passed away when she was twelve, and there you go. my mom had a clutter problem her whole entire life, and and I know that my dad was not helpful in <laughs> his approach <laughs> to the situation. So um, definitely lesson learned, Barbara. This has been so so terrific, so valuable. Appreciate all that you've shared. So. We typically end each episode with a guest sharing their words of wisdom. So, Barbara, what would your words of wisdom to an entrepreneur listening be?
0: Never give up. (laughs) Um, And I think the other word of wisdom I would suggest is I strongly encourage entrepreneurs to write a book.
1: Hmm. I'm living example.
0: I'm living example. I've partnered with a Christian publishing company right now called spirit media, SpiritMedia.us, not not.com. And their tagline is a brand needs a book and a book needs a brand. And if you look on Amazon, the average number of books that are sold on Amazon is fewer than 250. And the reason it's so low is because those books don't have a brand. So as a publishing company, we help the author get a brand going even before they've written the book. But if you are an entrepreneur, I have you can do a little book like this, a little simple, easy book, costs $2.20 to produce. It's the cheapest brochure ever. And in our society, there's nothing that gives an entrepreneur credibility like a book.
1: Nice. And and an easy
0: way to do it is to think of that target market that we've talked about and say, what is it that you want your target market to know, feel, understand, or do differently as a result? And it will make a huge difference because it's a way uh, to communicate your expertise and hand it out to people. And I love to help people. Part of Vision Accelerator is helping people figure out how they could write a book. People say, oh, I'm not a good writer. I'm not a good speller. I'm not a good, you don't have to be any of those things. Publishing companies, a good publishing company will help you do all that. And I'll tell you my favorite story on that is that 20 years ago, I wrote a book. Uh, I had an idea for a book that I wanted to write, but I didn't want to write it. So I hired a ghostwriter. And I went to her house, she lived in Rockville, Maryland and she was on a golf course and I'll never forget it. We had one of those old fashioned tape recorders with the box that you push the record button. Right. She recorded me for three days. And I wish I had a picture of it. She had um, uh, newsprint up on the wall. And while I was talking, she was making all these notes on newsprint and we were done after three days. She said, go home and I will I will send you the sample chapters. Well, she sent me the sample chapters and I just burst into tears because I couldn't believe what she, they were my words, but I just couldn't be able to believe what she'd done with them. And so I called her and I said, You are not my ghostwriter. You are my co author. I'm not hiding your skills. So we co authored that book together. It was called Love It or Lose It Living Clutter Free Forever. It was a great book. We didn't build a brand and we didn't make it a bestseller. But now Spirit Media has, uh, one of the things they do is take books that haven't sold well and kind of repackage them. So I sent him that book and I said, what do you think about this? And the editor said, Oh, I love this book. And she said, it's the 20th anniversary. So nice. we, so I called my co-author whom I'd not talked to in a long time. I didn't even know if she was alive yet. I knew she wasn't in business, but I know she alive. I found her. She's celebrating her 80th birthday. And Yay. I said, yes, we have a publisher who wants to publish our book. So one of the things I believe is that a book is a legacy. And when you die, people worry about their China and their crystal and all that. But if you leave a book, you're really leaving a legacy. Nice.
2: No, I it, so many words of wisdom and so much to, to, to have to unpack on that. We'll be thinking about this for a while. Um, where can our viewers find you?
0: They can just go to Barbara That's my website. Um, And you can connect with me on there. I'm doing a special offer through the end of the year that I'm offering a Vision Accelerator 90-minute session, which is normally $997. But I'm doing it for $197. And it can be paid to the Shepherd's House Ministry Project, which means it's a donation. So if someone this kind of year, somebody can get their vision accelerator, but the money can go to build the shepherd's house. And that you can find that on barberhemphill.com. And people, I'm very reachable. My, my contact information is on the website and I'm always helping to talk to people. And if you want to, paper's an issue, check out tameyourpapertiger.com. That webinar is runs over and over And there's always a live person on it to answer questions and help you. And if you want to solve your paper problem, that's where you want to go because it works.
2: I so much appreciate everything you've given to us, Barbara. Thank you for your years of expertise and and guidance um, for all of those of us that are
0: working on this for a while. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate the opportunity and you have a happy Thanksgiving.
1: This episode is brought to you by Intentional Decisions that lead to massive success. No, those aren't companies promoting our show. They are qualities that you need to build your business and take control of your life. So to help you out, I'm offering my most popular worksheets to help you plan the future you want and audit your calendar today. The best way to get what you want is to know what it is and start making sure that your calendar matches. You can download them free today at AddValueMindset.com. If you will take action by just completing these two activities they will change your life and business i promise you a new level of results in the coming year the problem is that we make things so complicated and we lose focus on what is really important these tools will help you refocus on what matters most when you align your passion with your purpose in your work you can be happier and start doing the things you wanted to in the first place like spending more quality time with the kids To get your free copy of the tools to start tackling your busy schedule, go to AddValueMindset.com. If you enjoy the show, please like, subscribe, leave a review. But most importantly, if you enjoyed this episode, share it with someone who needs to hear it. Share, share, share. In our next episode, Justin Croxton teaches Robert about geofencing and the power of SEO and targeting for lead generation. He helps companies find leads who participate in events, visit certain locations, or are looking for your product or service. Using the technology available like geofencing, Justin takes digital marketing and lead generation to another level.